Welcome to the Knock Knock Property Podcast, presented by local property experts Ben Dilling and me, Matt Dixon. Coming to you from Fox's Sales and Lettings, we'll be discussing all things property related, including some local guests from the local area. Anything else you want to add, Matt? Not really. Not really? Just like and subscribe? Well, don't. I mean, we'll be doing it either way. We'll do it, yeah. But, you know, if they do like it, just tell your mates. Thanks for listening. Should we get on with it? Ugh, go on then. Okay, so welcome to episode two of the Knock Knock Property Podcast. And on today's episode, we welcome our first guest, Matthew Fleming Duffy from Knight Frank Finance. Matthew has been helping homeowners with their property finances since the early 90s. He's a highly regarded mortgage advisor and later life lending specialist, as well as an advocate for green mortgages. So in this episode, we get to talk about all of that. We also discuss Matthew selling a business and his journey to Knight Frank. As always, we hope you enjoy this episode. And if you get the chance to like, subscribe, follow where you can, we really appreciate it. Enjoy the episode. So, Matthew, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for coming. Thanks for inviting me. Our first guest on the uh, Knock Knock Property Podcast. Um, what did you make of the first one? Yeah, no, it, it felt um, good fun. Yeah. Felt like something I'd like to be uh, taking part in. Yeah, indeed. Um, so no, yeah, good stuff. Very, good very stuff. informal. Very. Uh, yeah, we don't want to be well. Me and Matt, who's in the background here, we we just want to be a little bit more relaxed. But obviously, when a guest comes on, there'll be a bit more meat on the bone. So, right. um, so I'm the meat. You're the meat. Right. You're the that bone. That makes me the bone, then, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Good. <laughs> so, um, yeah. No, thank you for coming on. Obviously, Pleasure. we go back. We were just trying to work out. I think it is about twenty years. Um, you, your lovely wife Liz, I think sold a property through me in Brenton Park. Correct. And we spent many an evening in Cameron's in West. Discussing Horn. it. Discussing it. Yes. Yeah. Probably consuming some alcohol along the way. Yes. Maybe. So We've like grown that, up yeah. now, though, haven't we? Yeah, we don't do that anymore. No, we don't. No. That's no, coffee not. and croissants. Yeah, coffee and croissants. Did you enjoy your croissants? <laughs> I did. Morning? Yes. Good. And thank you for selling another one of my properties more recently. Yes, I have. Yeah. yeah so we have actually just sold um, your. One of and and it, went, it went through rather successfully, yeah. didn't well it? Well done, good stuff. Happy days. Top work. So you are what I would consider a mortgage, well, property finance guru. Would you say that's accurate? <laughs> a guru. A um, guru. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, 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 can, I can go with that. I've been in the, the mortgage market, worked in financial services now for best part of 30 years. Yeah. Um, so I've been involved in all different aspects of mortgage lending. Yeah, uh, there's not much I don't know about the, the mortgage market. Mm. Um, having said that, of course, the mortgage market is constantly changing. Yeah. Products and criteria evolve on a regular basis. So if anyone could be classed as a guru, um, I think it would be more the tech providers these days because they are the the sort of fount of knowledge. Right. But, um, yeah, I've been around for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I know we've worked together sporadically from time to time and it's always been pretty successful. But yeah. so talk me through your uh, background and how you have come to work at uh, Knight Frank Finance. Hmm. How far mm. back do you want to go? You yeah, go well, as far my, back my, as you want to go, mate. My, <laughs> my life story. Yeah. Um, well, um, to be fair, 
I'm a failed pilot. Are you? Yes. I did not know that. I, see, I spent uh, many years when I was younger uh, flying aircrafts, aerobatics, all this kind of stuff, and uh, I took the entrance exam with the RAF to fly um, fast aircraft. Blame. And and I failed. No way. Um, they they um, offered me the role as a navigator. Right. Um, and I said, nope, I want to be a pilot and I'll come back in a year because you need to stay away for a year yeah. before you reapply. And um, in that year, I went off and I guess I wandered around. Um, I did a lot of different things. Um, over a period of time, I moved to the States. I sold rock crushes in Chicago. Right. Um, so you lived in America as well. Lived in America. So this was all before... Yeah, yeah, we met. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and um, I worked for my uncle's carpentry business in the Middle East. Nice. And um, my mum said, "Go and get a job, get a proper job, get a job at a bank, job for life." I went to work for Abbey National mm -hmm. or Santander, as they're as they're now known. Um, worked for there for quite a few, worked for them for quite a few years. Um, went off, went uh, independent. So right. I set up my own brokerage after a period of time, and I've been independent now for. I guess 16, 17 years. Okay. Uh, my business, Cherry, I sold last year. Yeah. Um, you like that name, didn't you, Matt? Because he's a Cherries Bor fan. Bournemouth. There you was go. it something to do it with was. that? Was yeah, it was. we questioned yeah. that, didn't we? I, I sponsored one of the urinals in the in the. Glass. Uh, <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, so he sponsored one of the urinals. Um, yeah, so that was all we could afford at the time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I sold the business um, and uh, yeah, met up with the guys at Knight Frank Finance, um, and now yeah, I work for them as a mortgage broker. Yeah. With a specialism in later life. Up in the big smoke, then I suppose is that's where they're. But do you work from home, or do you work from London, or a bit of both? Yeah, so Knight, Knight Frank's a, a, a large company. Um, they've got, I think, something like twenty thousand employees worldwide. Yeah, because uh, we, we I mean, obviously, I heard of them predominantly yeah. through estate agency, high end yeah. estate agency mainly. I think. Yeah, so they they are they're a property company. They do all things property related. Um, so. You know, surveying. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, the estate agency is the most well-known uh, part of it, certainly in the yep. UK. Um, they're a, a, a London-centric estate agency, but have offices all around uh, the UK as far north as Edinburgh yeah. now. Um, and I work for the, the finance team. So Knight Frank Finance um, is sits within the group of mm -hmm. Knight Frank. Uh, the main office is in Baker Street in London. Yeah. Uh, I tend to work out of there uh, a few days a week. Um, we have a, a satellite finance office in Guildford. Okay. Um, but I tend then to work from home. I think a lot of people do these days, hybrid working. Absolutely. Being what it is, uh, a lot of people work from home outside of their normal office mm. um, yeah, working days. So, yeah, oh. I split my time. And so, how's, how you, so how long have you been with Knight Frank? Only six months. Okay. Um, it's a, it's a, it's, yeah, it's been a, a, a great experience so far. Yeah. Um, good great bunch of people because uh, i know obviously you you know you've moved on to some extent to later life lending but you still do mortgages for for people you still cover the whole spectrum as it were or yeah yeah so it, as a <clears throat> as a as a mortgage broker uh, any broker can deal with um you know home movers mm. remortgages uh, first time buyers because you have buy got a let. lot of letters after your name by the way i have what do they all mean <gasps> So I'm um, FCMI, which is Fellow of the Chartered Management Institute. Right. Um, I am CMAP, 
which yeah. is a certificate in mortgage advice and practice. Right. I am CIFA, which is a certificate in financial advice. Yeah. And CRUR. 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 Is that the rural one? <laughs> that's the XE release. So that, yeah. Okay. So that's um, certificate in, uh, oh, cracky, uh, certificate in regulated XE release, I believe. But, okay. uh, yeah. So that's the later life finance paper. Fine. Okay, so we'll come on to the later life lending in a bit. But so in in general, how are you finding the market? Because obviously you're speaking to all the people at Knight Frank Finance. You're probably integrating with the other members of other departments there. How? What is the general feeling in the marketplace at the moment as we're now sort of coming towards spring? Positivity, I think, is the underlying sentiment. Um, I mean, you know, don't underestimate. The resilience of the of the property market mm. in 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 the UK. Um, in terms of the the mortgage market, things have changed. Yeah, the rate rate environment, of course. I mean, it's headline news. Rates have certainly changed and moved up. Um, they moved a bit too high. Mm. Um, pretty much in a response to the wonderful is wonderful moment. yeah mm. um the the mis, misplaced um mini budget mm. um it, it sent markets into a spiral I mean, some rates. lenders stopped lending for a time didn't they yeah they, yeah particularly those that were reliant on funders mm. so um in terms of the way the money markets work yeah prices went up mm. um access to funds diminished so yeah some some lenders stopped products or cer- certain product lines uh, certainly, rates really jumped yeah. um, quite high. So, what sort of fixed rates? What what were the rates before Liz Trust did her, <laughs> her magic Poor moment? Poor Liz. Poor Liz. I know. Yeah. Um, what 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 were the rates looking like then? And what do they what did they go to? And and I'm right in thinking they might have crept back a have, little bit. Yeah. So the, so rates you could have got around 1% with a decent deposit for a standard yeah. transaction. I, the, 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 1%, dis- the discussion yeah. on rates is always quite tricky because we talk about averages, we mm. talk about best rates. But to be practical about this just for a minute, mm. there are over 150 lenders in the UK, something close to 200 lenders in, in the UK. Right. The, the mortgage market, the finance market is so broad and diverse. There are literally thousands of products and it's not easy to kind of simplify it. Yeah. Um, to a, to a certain extent, but yeah, in, in terms of the best rates, mm. um, you know, we were seeing, you know, quite a few lenders offering products around the one percent mark as a very competitively priced, you know, variable or fixed rate deal. Mm. Um, rates jumped in the react, you know, it, it was a direct reaction of the of the of the mini budget. Um, more to do with the fear of where things could end up. Mm. Um, and rates jumped really quite high. So we saw rates, all rates, really above the kind of certainly four and a half, five percent mark. Yeah. Um, those rates now have on the whole reduced, even though the Bank of England, of course, is, is pushing up the central banking rate. Um, it's money markets that banks go to to secure funds. Yeah. So the kind of the, the, the diminished fear aspect i think is really having an effect then on the access to funds yeah so funders become more competitive um the guilt rates have reduced as well which is what's the a guilt rate how does that what's that mean guilts um um so if you invest money uh, in in a savings account mm. um you would uh, be um you'd come across a bond 
and a bond would be um, where you lock your money away for, for a period of time, a year, five years, 10 years, and you get a guaranteed rate of return. Right. Um, that's a bond. Um, if a government issues that type of bond, it's called a gilt in right. the UK. So this is the government saying, invest money with us, and this is the rate of return that you'll get. So money markets have one eye on what they can get as a safe and guaranteed rate of return compared to you know, providing money to lenders. Right. So if they put money out to lenders, lenders then you know, put that money out to us as consumers. So that, that's the money market. That's okay. essentially how the money market works. Um, you can, we can talk about swap rates as well, which is where banks lend, you know, institu- institutions lend to each other. But yeah, so these, these rates, um, even though the central rate has uh, increased, the guilt rate has reduced. Mm. So banks don't tend to go to the Bank of England for loans. Uh, famously, Northern Rock did it mm. um, quite yep. a few years ago. 2008. That's right. And October, it was, I think it was. <laughs> remember the, <laughs> what were you doing at that time? Yeah, yeah. crying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we all. Um, but of course, yeah, you know, if, you know, that was headline news. Yeah. Um, I, I guess it's fair in some ways to describe the Bank of England as a lender of last resort. Yeah. Um, so lenders would tend to, sorry, funders would tend to put money into gilts or into markets and the mortgage market is a is a big part of that yeah because i think what we what frustrates me when we just to my simplified view on it and the frustration in the media to some extent they they will talk about interest that's the headline news interest rates going up but you know i'm telling my customers that and clients that actually the mortgage rates were actually and have been coming down but that's not that, that that doesn't read well for a news article, no, does it? No. Unless you know the right places to pick up on the news yeah. and that kind of thing. Here. But the average Joe... Yeah, here, absolutely. Yeah. The average Joe blogs will probably think, you know, interest rates going up means means doom and gloom. But Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, th- th- you're exactly right. Um, Knight Frank Finance website, um, you know, knightfrankfinance.co.uk has mm-hmm. a great news section. You can go to that news section and get some real insights into the mortgage market and, yeah. and some some honest um, indicators as to what's happening with rates and the market yeah. um, in general. And uh, the, the question you asked originally was, what have, what have rates done? Mm. Um, so Platform Home Loans uh, recently launched a five-year fixed rate yep. at 3.75%, which is what I explained about the... You know the Bank of England guilt rates and swap rates, and you know the money. The markets do something different a lot of the time when compared to the Bank of England uh, central rate. So, um, you know that rate that we would, you know, um, borrow at as consumers is lower than the Bank of England base rate, and it's fixed for five years. So it gives you an indicator as to what the markets expect to happen in the longer term. Mm. Now, um, the problem with this, of course, is that these lenders have limited funds. That product with platform. Uh, was available for 48 hours, I think. I and read that this gone. morning, yeah. Um, HSBC um, have just launched um, a rate at 3.89%, right? available over five or 10 years. Let's see how long that, that, that hangs around. Yeah. Um, so on, on the whole, um, the mortgage market rates start at around 4, 4.5%. On average, 4 to 4.5%. Yeah, and that's there's a lot of lenders, mainly building societies, a lot of the time smaller building societies offer variable rates at that that kind of level. Um, 
I, I think the, the Newbury Building Society have got a rate at 3.79, okay. which is variable. Um, that's still around, but of course, variable means it could change. Yeah, sure. And that will change in line with? Their variable rate. Yeah. So you get a discount off the lender's variable rate. Again, so to, to talk in more broad terms, yeah. as consumers, we do not borrow from the Bank of England. Mm-hmm. Uh, high street banks don't tend to borrow from the Bank of England. Um, it's a good indicator as yeah. to what's happening around the market. And of course, if you have a, a base rate tracker, somebody people who have a base rate tracker, then they would have a rate that's directly tied to, to the, the Bank, Bank of, of England, England base, base rate. rate. That's mm-hmm. right. Uh, but we don't borrow from the Bank of England. We borrow from lenders, so banks and building societies. So those rates are... Constantly changed. Loads so, sorry of to products. simplify it down even more for, yep. for me. Um, so a tracker would would directly be affected by the interest rate rises. Yeah. Okay. A variable rate that could vary during the term of that mortgage, depending yeah. on the interest rate. Or so if you rewind you know, <clears throat> right back to the history books, yeah. where you need to start with this a little bit. Um, when you go into a bank to borrow. So you're borrowing from bank or building society. You borrow at the rate that they set. Mm-hmm. That rate is generally going to be higher than the Bank of England base rate. Yeah. So again, if you look at the market at the moment, most lenders have got their variable rates, mm-hmm. their underlying variable rate at anywhere between 6 7 8%. So a variable rate is going to be more than a fixed rate? A variable, that's the lenders, yep. cent, you know, their own variable rate so when you see a discounted variable rate that lender is offering you a discount off of mm-hmm. their variable rate so that's this the newbie deal 3.79 percent um i'd need to check what their their variable rate is at the moment but that you're, just, you're getting a discount so that can change as they change their rate okay so bank of england changes you know, they meet first thursday of every month yeah. and decide what they're going to do to central banking rates uh building societies uh you know banks will move their rate as and when they see fit. Mm-hmm. Now, that tends to be in line with the Bank of England. So if Bank of England moves yeah, up by a quarter, you tend to see most mortgage providers also move their rates up mm-hmm. by a quarter. But not always. They can keep those rates where they are. Or as we frequently see, some would pull their rate down yeah. so they can grab a headline. Yeah, Actually, this is what the Bank of England has done. This is what we've done come to us so it, it's a again i go back to this other sort of point of how broad and diverse the mortgage market is there are literally thousands of products mm. and they change on a daily basis yeah yeah i think that's what that as the average consumer on the high street struggles with they see interest rates going up and they just think that means mortgage rates are going up but it's there's more to it than that isn't there let's be honest and yeah a fixed rate so let's just how how long would you fix a mortgage for what what are the terms for fixing a mortgage just to somebody that is completely new to the process of getting a mortgage yeah so in terms of the mortgage market you'll find lots of deals around two five and ten years yeah you'd also find fixed rates over three and seven years. And the longer that that term, the worse the rate would be? Not necessarily. Okay. Not necessarily. Um, and, and just to sort of touch on this as well, um, with, with later life lending, mm-hmm. um, a lot of borrowing is on a lifetime fix. So what you borrow at now is the rate is fixed for Forever. the term, of, yeah, until you pass away. Okay. Um, or the, yeah, as in the, the, the property is sold, you know. So 
two, five, and ten years is where you'll have a bulk of, of options. Mm. Um, and then as a consumer, when you start looking at what should I be doing, um, it does come down to your personal circumstances yeah. because it's it's very difficult to predict what's going to happen to rate markets. It's very difficult to you know compare these products until mm-hmm. you've come to the end of a term. Mm-hmm. Um, five-year fixed rates have become a lot more popular in 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 uh, in recent years. I'd say mm. just because of a lack of stability. You know, very very low interest rates, which makes longer-term fixing um, quite attractive, but also you know, with the increased volatility that we've seen in the last sort of couple of years, certainly following the pandemic, mm. um, more people have wanted to tie in for longer. So five-year fixed rates have become... And the length of term of these mortgages on an average mortgage, we sort of look at 25 years, 30 years. Does it? Go, I see them going longer and longer now. Yeah, for, well, yeah, so you, of course, you, with the lifetime mortgage, it goes on. A lifetime mortgage yeah. goes on until, until you pass away pass or away. the house is sold, right? Yeah, so... Um, Forty years is the longest term wow. that that you'll see. Thirty-five years is is a lot more common. Mm. Twenty-five years, um, again, is just something out of the the history books, mm. um, where lenders started providing mortgages. They set a term at twenty-five years, yeah. and it became the norm. Um, everyone then sort of set their budgets based on a twenty-five-year mortgage, and it's still to this day pretty much the kind of the go-to term. The benchmark. If, if I sit and talk to somebody, the start point is kind of 25 years, unless you're near retirement or, you know, you've got different reasons. Yeah. Or indeed, you know, a 35 or 40 year term helps you with the affordability assessment. Yeah. So it's stretching it over a longer term, brings yeah. the payments down. Correct. Yeah. Correct. What, how hard is it to get a mortgage now? What sort of deposit do you need? Um, because I remember before 2008, you know, you could get a mortgage and the bank would give you some money on top, you know, 120, <laughs> 10% or something ridiculous. Yeah. And in fact, when I got my first mortgage, yeah, that was a good old fashioned self-cert mortgage. Yeah. And, you know, I think I just kind of, the guy said, what do you want to be earning <laughs> to get this mortgage? Yeah. Obviously, regulations changed an awful lot now. Yeah. Um, but, but you know, 100% mortgages were quite normal. What, what are we looking at now, deposit-wise, to get a decent rate? So the the minimum you need is five percent. Yeah. Um, and if you have a five percent deposit, you can go to the nationwide and get a five year fixed rate at around five percent. The other sort of question you just asked is how tricky is it to get a mortgage? Yeah. And um, look, following the following the credit crunch, um, mortgage lenders have come under lots of very strict regulations. The mortgage market review. Um, was a set of UK regulations came into force in 2014. Um, the Mortgage Credit Directive was another set of regulations, EU regulations that came into force in 2016. We're still pretty much complying with those rules. All of these were about protecting consumers, you know, trying to stop the market imploding again. Mm. And a big part of that was pre credit crunch banks just weren't asking questions mm. you mentioned self-cert you know mm. not checking somebody's income mm. and expenditure before you give them a, a mortgage was going to have obvious consequences Absolutely. and it did yeah. so um following uh, that credit crunch following these these rule changes i should say um self-cert loans have been outlawed mm. um essentially but lenders have since then gone through very detailed um affordability assessments so they look at your income. 
because I know when we've I've looked at applying for mortgages in recent years, it's in depth now, isn't it? Yeah. In terms of they'll look at every single absolutely your inside leg yeah. measurements and yeah. you know how expensive were those trousers to fit? Yeah. How do we stay? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, because again, a, a mate at the golf club, very kind of like naive to the whole situation. He was like, "But I'm taking out some money out of my bank cash every every week." And I said, well, what's that for? He didn't want to tell me what it was for. And I was like, he goes, does that come into effect? And does that, I said, I think everything's taken into account now in terms of, you know, but, but breaking it down to, you know, gymnasiums, mobile phones, weekly shopping, child allowance and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So lenders are going to certainly look at your income. Mm. Your income is based on your taxable income. Because just That's quickly, back in the old point. days, right? Yeah. Didn't it used to be like three or four times your salary? And that was always... It was really easy. I right. mean, I was at Abbey National. I was a financial advisor and underwriter. And when you needed to run an affordability calculation, you picked up your calculator, punched somebody's salary, yeah. times 3.75. That's right. Equals, and that's how much you can but borrow. But look at price, house prices now. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's different. Um, the, uh, the Bank of England issued some guidance a few years ago that lenders shouldn't be lending more than 15% of new loans at more than four and a half times salary. Okay. Um, that kind of tripped out into the market as four and a half times is a kind of cap. Yeah. Um, when was that? In reality, so that, that oof, it, was a, it, was a, it was a few years ago. I can't remember exactly when it was. They softened their stance on that more, more recently. Um, however, if you get back to this idea of an assessment of your income and expenditure, yes, Mortgage lenders will look at your income, your taxable income. So if you're self-employed, they look at salary, dividend, net profit, things like that. Um, if you're employed, they look at your basic salary, plus bonuses, commission, overtime, things like that. Mm. All of that is your taxable income. They use that to see how much money is coming in to your bank. Mm. They'll validate that by also checking your bank statements. They'll then look at your bank statements to see what your cost of living looks like. There will be fixed expenses like council tax, mm. utility bills, um, you know, insurances mm. that can't be changed. They will look at certainly spending habits to a certain extent, but not all lenders do that. Some lenders would just take an average. So we think that as a, a family of four, your living costs are probably around X. Mm. We'll check your bank statements to see if they're excessively different to that, in which case we'll look more closely at what you're spending your money on. A couple of other things that lenders will look at will be your uh, debt, your existing debt. Yeah. So personal loans, credit cards, car loans. Overdrafts. Things, overdrafts yeah. to a certain extent, yeah. All, again, if you have those committed monthly payments on loans, they are factored in and will reduce an amount you can borrow on a mortgage. So, for, so just to interrupt that then, because Let's just work on figures of, say, a house of 300000 okay, and a 10% deposit to get a reasonably good rate would be £30,000. Managed to work that out. Um, and you've got, so you've got thirty grand deposit, okay, but you've also got five, ten grand on a few credit cards. And, you know, you've got a car loan, uh, and an overdraft, all of that. So let uh, okay. Let's say your your debt is in the region of ten thousand pounds, but you've got thirty thousand pounds as a cash deposit towards a house. 
that that would that ten thousand pounds debt immediately come off that thirty thousand pound deposit? No. Okay. No. Um, so affordability calculations are a lot more complex. Yeah. Um, rightly so, you know, I mean, a mortgage debt is likely to be the largest debt you're ever going to have in your life. And mm -hmm. for most, for most people in the UK, homeowners, yeah. that's a, that's the biggest investment we'll make in our lifetime. Um, so lenders will look at your income and expenditure. The expenditure would factor in the debt that you have mm -hmm. and off the back of lots of maths that goes on you know, via computer, yeah. um, a magic number uh, appears on lenders' affordability calculators that shows how much they'd, be con they'd consider lending to you. Um, again, if you remember, we sort of have to factor in the length of term. So if you're younger, you can stretch that term beyond 25 years to 30, 35, even 40 years. Um, if you are older, then of course the term is going to be limited to the point that you're seeking to retire. Mm -hmm. So the affordability calculations overall are quite tricky and it's become one of the trickier parts of, of working as an intermediary, mm. um, certainly post credit crunch and post the rule changes. Yeah. So the old calculator three times equals it law. Don't, it don't come just anymore. doesn't work. No, it's, it, it is, um, I mean, it, it, I guess within reason, this is partly why so much business now goes through um, intermediaries. I think it's something like 80% Mm. of all mortgage lending these days goes through intermediaries mm. so if you do have that question how much can i borrow you really are best going to a broker mm. um i will sit and run you know some figures based on you know any sort of standard scenario and there are tools that we can use that go to a whole bunch of lenders mm. instantly um to find out how much somebody can buy. and the range is phenomenal mm. it, it really is phenomenal it incorporates high street banks with some specialist lenders uh, you know within that but the range of how much somebody can borrow is just is quite yeah it's yeah, quite fantastic wide. and it changes so lenders don't have this fixed idea of what they're going to lend you mm. it can it can change it can change with your location so the cost of living is higher down in the south. Really? So depending postcode. on where you are in... Yeah. Wow, okay. Yeah, postcode can have an impact. How many children you have, Yeah. Um, that has an impact, obviously. So there, there's lots of things that lenders used to factor in when running affordability checks. And like I say, it's one of the, 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 the bigger parts of the journey now when trying to work out who to go to, which lender is the, is the best lender for you. What I wanted to ask you, um, just regarding mortgages, so help to buy was... A massive thing particularly for new builds um, and now that scheme has pretty much come to an end right so help to buy one yeah the initial scheme set Uno. up by George Osborne yeah uh, indeed helped um, builders feel confident in their ability to build property on the basis that this is again the post credit crunch era yeah. that when they build a property that somebody could come along and buy it um, the government gave you uh, or gave you a loan at a, a, a zero interest rate initially and a very small rate after a few years to pay a big chunk of deposit, 20% deposit towards a new build property. Um, that was known as the help to buy scheme when it first launched. Um, a lot of people after that scheme had been around for, for a while said, I don't want to buy a new build. I want to just buy off the, uh, from the open market. 
So uh, George Osborne created Help to Buy Two, mm. which was a mortgage um, guarantee scheme. So you could borrow up to 95% of a property value. Banks were not comfortable lending to that value at that point. So the government underwrote, 15%. gave a guarantee, uh, I think it was 15 or even 20% mm. guarantee mm. that they... Um, provided to the bank, so the bank then the bank then felt confident to lend to you at ninety five percent of a property value. Help to buy then was seen as being so successful that uh, the other government schemes like right to buy, which is where if you've been in a council property for a, a number of years, you can buy a discount. Mm. Um, shared ownership, uh, where you buy a share of a property and rent. A share through a housing association. The forces help to buy scheme. So yeah, we've just done one of those. Actually, well, we've had a client buy through that. Is that has that come to an end as well? No. Or? So the, the, for, the forces scheme is is, is quite literally. Because you've done quite a lot with the forces, right? Help to buy generally. Yeah. I mean, like I say, the the the, 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 the scheme itself isn't no longer the original scheme is no longer around. Mm. Neither of the original help to buy one, help to buy two schemes are around. So help to buy almost as a generic term yeah. for government incentives to help you buy a property. And certainly the new build actually loan and the mortgage guarantee scheme have gone. Mm. The other schemes stay in place. Um, there is something that has <clears throat> loosely replaced the help to buy two, mm. the mortgage and the, 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 the mortgage guarantee. Um, it's called deposit unlock. Okay. And I've not that's heard of that yet. deposit unlock. Um, I'm yet to see it have an impact on the market. Um, essentially, this is where lenders will provide you with a 95% mortgage and take out an insurance right. to guarantee themselves if you don't pay the mortgage, property values drop and they have to repossess. And if there's a shortfall, that the insurance would pay that shortfall. That's mortgage indemnity guarantee. Yeah, um, That was around for decades um, until I think around the late 1990s. Indemnity, yeah. Mortgage indemnity. My parents had one. Um, and uh, banks decided they didn't want to pay insurers. Yeah. Um, they then just started charging a fee, a high loan to value fee, so they became more profitable. Um, and then they had no insurance. So mm. banks became more profitable but weren't insured. And of course, credit crunch came along and disrupted all of that. Yeah. So this is almost just a step back to where things were in the 1990s with high loan to value lending. But like I say, the actual scheme itself is yet to have an impact as far as I can see it because there are enough mortgage options around at 95% yeah. if that's what you need. Um, well, especially but, yeah. when you say that the nationwide are doing one at 5%. That's it. Yeah, and, or, and it, yeah. So it's, it's new build property. Yeah. So it's it's yeah, ninety five percent on new build property, and gotcha. they have a, a, a deposit unlock scheme. Uh, the interest rate on it, interestingly, is higher mm. than it is for buying from the open market. So it, it's it's you know it's it's a product. It's out there. Mm. Um, it hasn't really replaced the how to buy uh, scheme, but yeah, I mean, like I say, the scheme itself is now just a common term for government assistance. So I think various schemes will come and go yeah. um, in years to come. Okay. You're looking at your uh, LinkedIn bio. You are an advocate for green mortgages. What's a green mortgage? Green mortgage. Um, yeah. I, if I take it just a step back mm. from that uh, for a moment, because green mortgages are quite a small part of 
a marketplace which is more focused on what's commonly referred to as retrofit. Right. So um, in simple terms, if you own a property and you have a low um, EPC rating, energy performance certificate rating, in other words, your home is not efficient with energy. energy. Efficient, it's yeah. not very insulated. Um, you know, you've got an old boiler. You'll have a low EPC rating. If you wanted to make your home more energy efficient, mm. you you would either use your own cash or you would borrow. You may borrow short term personal loans, credit cards to fund small, you know, green home improvements. If mm. I can call them that, um, if the if the funding was more substantial or if it just you know, makes it easier for you, you might consider using your mortgage, your mortgage lender, to provide you with a home improvement loan. Mm. So that lending is technically classed as green lending. You're borrowing money to make your home more energy efficient. So it's not just on a, a, a new build, energy so, efficient home. So we then mm. get into this, this realm of the green mortgage market. Right. Um, the originators of green mortgages would, I think, be the Ecology Building Society. Um, they will help you do exactly as I just said, you know, sort of, you know, you know, buy a property that's run down, needs a bit of work, and needs to be made more energy efficient. And as you improve the energy efficiency of your property and your EPC rating improves, the discount that the ecology would apply gets better. Right, okay. So that, to me, is the way a green mortgage should be described. Um, there is another part to the green mortgage market, which is more common at the moment, and this is what you're referring to, and this mm. is where some lenders, particularly the high street banks, have just gone for providing you with a marginal incentive if you buy a property that's already A or B rated, yeah, uh, A, B or C in some cases. Um, so the green mortgage market almost has two guises. Mm. Either you're being incentivized to buy a property that's efficient, mm. or, and it's a much smaller part of the market, you know, you're looking to buy a property or you own a property that you're trying to make more energy efficient energy. and you'll get discounts to do that. And when you say incentivize, what does that look like? What does an incentive look like? It can range from a uh, small cashback. Mm. I'm going to say small now because the incentives aren't great at the moment. This is going to change. Mm. Um, but at the moment, you'll find cashbacks of sort of 500 to 1,000 pounds. Just money given to you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Or, you know, kind of a 0.1% discount off of you know the, the other sort of conventional mortgage products right okay so green green finance on the whole refers to this energy efficiency mm. and you know retrofit is the way we describe taking a property and make you know you know conducting green home improvements mm. um, and the eligibility for that is it the same criteria as getting any mortgage so you know yeah, so so like I say, you you I mean, because you, you, you surely they've got to encourage this to yeah, make us more energy yeah, efficient, right? Yeah. So let me. So if I put this into context, if you came to me and said, Matt, I've got a property, I'm worried about my utility bills. Mm. Um, I know I can put solar panels on my roof. I can put a new front door on, get triple glazing. You know, bloody hell, and I need fifteen thousand pounds to do that. Um, I would say to you, when's your mortgage up for renewal? Mm. So, you know, you may reply July this year. I say I would say go and get quotes. You've got your quotes. You know it's fifteen thousand pounds. When your mortgage comes up, 
mm. for renewal. You know, we're not just remortgaging you for your one hundred thousand pounds, whatever the balance is, existing mortgage. We'll increase your borrowing to one hundred and fifteen thousand pounds, so you've got cash to go and conduct those improvements. Now, when you then speak to me as um, an FCA regulated mortgage broker, I'm obliged to and rightly so, I'm obliged to find you the best deal. Mm. So that may just be a standard high street bank that has the best current deal at the moment. So we could call that a green mortgage if we wanted to. Right, I see. Um, however, it, it, it may be that the product is one of these retrofit type products where you get an incentive once you've completed the works and your EPC ratings improved. But those products are so much in the minority at the moment. Mm. Um, the government, uh, the, the government department of business, energy, and industrial strategy, or BASE, mm. um, have recently launched a scheme competition uh, for providers of green finance and the wider market of green finance. Um, the Green Home Finance Accelerator Program is the name of the of the, of the incentive. Um, they're offering funds to retrofit installers, mm. to uh, local authorities, to banks. You know, mm. to fintech providers, to tech providers, to create a mechanism to encourage people to make their homes mm. more energy efficient. Because, of course, we're seeing it in the lettings market that soon your property is going to have to have a minimum rating. I mean, there already is a minimum rating, but I think that's coming up even further and it's going to become stricter. 2025, yeah. for new lettings, you'll need to have a C rated C property. rating or above, yeah. And for um, existing lettings, existing uh, tenancies it's 2028 mm. so you've got to make those improvements absolutely i know we're we're, we're looking at that now um but it's interesting because i remember when epcs came out an average rating when the epcs came out for the average home in the uk was actually a low d i think at one point now that's uh, if we're looking to get rental properties up to a c and you know what some landlords are like they can not put too much time and effort into their properties it's, it's quite a change actually so it, it is and and a good one i think it, it's well it's a good one because uh, we've got to talk about energy price security mm. haven't we our bills have gone everyone's bills have gone yeah. flying through the roof um, it becomes one of the biggest expenses mm. we have um you know, particularly because of what's happening um in ukraine at the mm. moment um so it's a big problem and mm. it's not going away so the only way you can remove your exposure to those fluctuations in energy prices is to rely less on it on it become and, more energy efficient and there are three pillars to making your home more energy efficient yeah um that would be to reduce your demand on energy yeah. so insulation so triple glazing new front door things like that uh second pillar would be to look at generating energy at home mm. so solar panels are the most common but ground source air source heat pumps mm. um wind turbines maybe and the third um pillar is the technology so smart meters yeah um even ev char charging points for people that are, you know embracing the ev mm. uh, car revolution so it it's it's a it's a it's a lot broader than just those that want to reduce their co2 footprint mm. which for a lot of people is very important but for the majority of homeowners, it's their monthly budget that, mm. that's the most important. So reducing your uh, your demand for energy is very important. Mm. And 
there are lots of measures you can undertake these days to do that. and for most people you need to borrow and mm. hence the green finance you know market so we've got a house i mentioned it to you when we just had a little break um which was built by bellway homes near the angel pub in longham mm-hmm. and so that house is only about three or four years old um and that has a rating of b and i actually put in the details for the first time i think ever in 20 odd years of doing this energy efficient home um because obviously it's it's big news um more so now than ever so somebody if i'm showing somebody that particular house i could have a conversation with them about getting a green mortgage yes i mean it's it's becoming a big selling point mm. there's lots of data now santander right move um mm. knight frank have also released some data around how much more somebody will pay for an energy efficient home right um yeah because it's and, got a factor in right to yeah, the value of it yeah yeah um and certainly then if somebody is buying that b-rated property if as a broker i look at which mortgage options are open to them yeah it's it's quite likely that we'll find the mortgage they qualify for is classed as a green mortgage right so one of the high street banks that would offer the most competitive mortgages in the market will offer a slightly more competitive product mm. for an energy efficient home mm. so you, yeah in in that circumstance a green mortgage would probably be the the, the outcome for the consumer but again to rewind there are you know 150 plus lenders and thousands of products yeah the start point with all of this is to find the right solution you know for the consumer mm. and it, that may be that it's a green mortgage Some, or it may not or may not be so like i said to go back to this original point around green mortgages they are they are a part of the jigsaw puzzle mm. of green home finance and retrofit which is a much much broader topic mm. interesting stuff yeah i guess we're all becoming far more conscious of it in our day-to-day lives and and how we purchase property now and and how we live so yeah not a bad thing i i, I do think uh, at, at some point what we're going to see is uh mortgage lenders and it's it's actually marked for this year i don't mm. think it's going to happen because of the economic turmoil but um mortgage lenders are going to have to publish a league table mm. um of all of their mortgage book so how many properties have they lent on mm. um have an a or b or c you know, you know epc rating mm. so that league table is going to lead some consumers to make decisions um and people vote with their feet yeah for a lot of certainly younger generations but it's for a lot of people they want to be aligned ethically mm. with their financial services providers and i think banks are slow on the uptake with this to a certain extent and mm. this is something that is growing in momentum that that for a lot of people it's important for them to know that like i say they're aligned uh, with their bank mm. um you know the, the other sort of big side to this like i say is really just down to the cost of living and how how else do you tackle the cost of living mm. other than try to reduce your energy bill later life lending which you have now become a specialist in yeah. and and i've had so just chit chat mainly at the golf club um <laughs> yeah. and at the golf club you'll have a whole variety of different age groups yeah so i think the first part of this is applied to many many people but i was joking with one of my mates i was playing golf with who's in his late 60s 
And I said, yeah, I've got somebody coming on talking about later live lending. He said, well, what are you looking at me for? I was like, well, you know, getting on a bit. One chap in particular on the first tee last week was like, so how does that work? I mean, could I take some equity out of a house that I own to buy a buy-to-let property, for example. So these are the sorts of questions that were being thrown at me. And I said, well, look, I don't know right now, but I'll hopefully know <laughs> yeah. after Friday. Yeah. So later life lending, what does that look like? What does it entail? Right. Uh, this this part of the market has certainly expanded um, quite dramatically over the last few years. Mm. And by later life lending, what do we mean by later life lending? there are different types of solution. You have options to borrow a conventional, via a conventional mortgage um, if you are in your later years. And by later later life, I mean, look, I'm in my 50s, which is why I'm sort of in that zone, I guess are now. Yeah, I am, yeah. I don't, I don't look at it. You know, one of the easier paper rounds. <laughs> here's, my, here's the five pounds, well done, thank you. Um, yeah, so uh, t- technically, the later life lending market starts at 55. So for, for the over 55s, people into the 60s, 70s, 80s, and even 90s, this is what we're talking about when we say later life lending. So you have an option of a conventional mortgage. So this is you know, a very yeah, bog standard mortgage where a lender looks at your income and expenditure, conducts an affordability assessment, and provides you with a mortgage on a capital and interest basis or an interest only basis. Um, and that mortgage has a fixed term. So at the end of that term, the mortgage would need to be paid off either with a capital interest loan where the balance gradually comes down or with an interest only loan that's sold at the end of the term. Right. So that would be whether you have an investment or you sell the property downsize, but that it has a term, yeah. that, that's key. Then we have retirement interest only mortgages. Now they've only been around for a couple of years. So these are for people that are retired? Not necessarily, but okay. yes. Right. So, I mean, I've, I've, kind of. Okay. <laughs> so again, over 55. You've got to be over 55 to qualify. Uh, lenders will conduct an affordability assessment of your retirement income. Mm. So they look at your pensions. If you're not drawing your pensions now, they look at your projected pension income. Oh, I see, right. They run an affordability assessment and you are charged interest on how much you borrow, but it's the interest only. That's the only payment you're committed to make. But there's no term, there's no set term. So a retirement interest only mortgage or Rio, as they call it, nothing to do with Brazil. Okay. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, They'll go on until either you pass away or go into long-term care. And for married couples, it would be the second of um, the homeowners. Um, And then we have lifetime mortgages. Mm -hmm. So uh, just like the Rio, there's no set term. So they go on until either death or or long-term care. Um, However, there's no affordability assessment. Right. The amount you can borrow is directly tied to the value of your property and your age. Okay. So the older you are, the more you can borrow. Now, with a, a lifetime mortgage you can release funds pretty much for anything that you want yeah so raising funds to you know use for cash to pay a deposit mm-hmm. uh, on a property would be fine uh, gifting to family members would be fine um, buying so, a yacht so is going this, on a is this what we would call equity release so yeah equity, so the, the fourth option 
um, uh, is home reversion. Home, home reversion. reversion. Now that's where you give up ownership of your property yeah. in return for a lump sum. Give um, up ownership of your property yes, to... A provider. Right. You stay in your property and the property ownership remains with that provider until you know you pass away, in which case then they have the property and they sell it. Mm-hmm. But they give you cash and you, st- you stay in your property. So home reversion represents a tiny, tiny part of the market. Mm-hmm. So a lifetime mortgage and home reversion plans are what we refer to as equity release. Right. It's it's jargony. It's in many ways an outdated term. Because if, correct me if I'm wrong, equity release didn't have, in many circles, the greatest reputation? It's fair to say that. I yeah. mean, there's a provider called Hodge who first lent via a lifetime mortgage in the 1960s. Yeah. So these types of products have been around for a long time. Hodge is close to Dodge. Dodge, not Dodgy. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Hodge, so Hodge um, actually provided, provided these types of finance since the 1960s. In the 1990s, the Wild West mm. of, of regulation, some would say, um, these products, I think the fact-finding process, the advice process was probably a bit too weak. Um, a bit like with lending in general. self so, yeah. yeah. So a lot of people, you know, were just encouraged to take out loans without really understanding, mm-hmm. um, you know, what they were getting themselves in for, if you like, uh, weren't speaking with their family and the products weren't very well regulated. Mm. Um, in this day and age, it's very different. The rules and regulations are really strong. Um, in actual fact, my, my boss, David Forstyke, uh, used to work at the SCA mm. and he wrote some of those rules okay. around you know, later life lending. And um, it, it's, it's important as advisors that we talk to consumers around their circumstances, their plans for the future and their beneficiaries and mm. how they are understanding and accepting or not of, of what's going on. Um, the financial ombudsman released some data a short while ago that, that showed, I think it's something close to two thirds of complaints about later life lending mm. comes posthumously from beneficiaries. Mm. So I didn't know mum took this out. You must have, she must have been missold. So, you know, potentially back in the 90s, a lot of people jumped into this you know, without having full facts. Because you have those, like you say, the the stories of beneficiaries coming back and saying, I didn't know mum, dad took this out. That's right. And is that what now is come in, uh, you know, regulations have come in to advise the beneficiaries as well as the person involved? It it certainly forms part of the conversation. Right. And um, we at Knight Frank are members of the Equity Release Council. Okay. Um, The Equity Release Council... um, sets standards for our market and yeah. uh, amongst those standards you you have um you know for example a no negative equity guarantee so your debt would never increase beyond the value of a proxy so you'll never pass on debt right in that okay, respect to your very important. to your children um all all products again a lot of people have these sort of um misunderstandings around the way lifetime mortgages work they're set up on the basis that you don't have to make a monthly payment right that debt, comp, you know, is charged every month and it compounds. Well, if you don't make a payment, of course, debt increases over a period of time. Um, 
you are permitted to make payments on these plans. With most plans now allow you to make monthly payments. Right. Uh, so you can you can make payments on an ad hoc basis, but certainly you can stop the increase of debt if that's what you want to do. Uh, so yeah, the, the, the market's a lot different. The mm. regulations are there. They're, they're strong, they're very consumer focused, and mm. the market is in such a different place. Because I think, you know, are you seeing a lot of people, um, you know, later life who own their property outright? Because let's face it, for it, it almost combines with younger people struggling to get mortgages and deposits for, for mortgages. It would an option be for somebody who perhaps owns majority or all of their property to release some equity for that from that to provide to a, a son or daughter to get a deposit on a mortgage uh, on a on a property yes yeah yeah that, that's um, commonplace it, yeah it's, it's, it's become a lot more common um and does the 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 son or daughter or whoever it might be it, it, can you have it set up that they pay the interest so Okay, so you've asked a few things there. Mm. Um, I guess the first thing to say is that you don't need to own your property outright. No. So we have situations where somebody may have a mortgage on their property already. Yeah. It might be an interest-only mortgage. It's coming to the end of its term. They have no way to repay that loan. And at that same time, their children or grandchildren even are looking to get on the property ladder. Um, They then as homeowners would seek to clear their current mortgage and raise some cash to provide financial gifts to their to their children mm. or grandchildren. Um, if the grandchildren or children want to then pay mum and dad or nan and granddad an amount to cover the interest, mm. that's fine. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, one other thing, just touching on this, because you've mentioned, again, this idea of you have to own your property outright to release equity. A lifetime mortgage can be used for a purchase. Yeah. So for older borrowers looking to buy somewhere, they don't necessarily have to put all of their cash into a transaction, mm. where if they're, for example, seeking to downsize, they may take a lifetime mortgage so they can keep some cash back for themselves. But releasing equity you know, for, for gifts has become a lot more common. Mm. Um, a few, you know, a few articles have been written about the the varying things that people you know you know borrow money for. Mm. Green home improvements has become a lot more common, uh, particularly with um, older borrowers. They have a fixed income. Generally speaking, if you're retired, you have fixed income on your pension. Mm. With the energy uh, price changes, you're now seeing your money is being eroded uh, mm. every single month by an increase in your bills. So. The capital outlay makes sense. Yeah. If I spend the ten, twenty thousand pounds now, my bills will come down. So, home improvements that could also include new kitchen, new carpets, you know, mm. whatever, you know. But borrowing for home improvements is, is quite common. But you can borrow for you know, buy a caravan, buy a boat, you know, to have funds to do things in the future. You don't have to uh, borrow all the money up front. You can set up a facility. So you right, okay bit like an overdraft but not like an overdraft yeah <laughs> but you have a, a facility limit so let's say you owned a property worth five hundred thousand pounds um you had a thirty thousand pounds mortgage at the moment you wanted to gift um some money to your grandson who's mm. looking to buy a property and you want to do things in the future the solution that we would be looking to create would be a facility 
to release funds now to clear your current mortgage and provide that financial gift, but then the creation of a drawdown mm. facility where you can access funds in the future right. quite easily. So there's not really an application process to access those future funds. So it, it, there's a lot of flexibility around later life lending now, mm. lots of different options and lots and lots of flexibility and good regulations. So, and, and what you say, you pay just the interest on that? You're charged the interest. Charged the interest. Yeah, so with a lifetime mortgage, you're charged the interest. And what sort of rates are we looking at for that type of thing? So uh, interest rates on lifetime mortgages currently start at fi- around 5.5%. Okay. Okay. And they go up to around 8% if you're going to the maximum loan to value. Loan to value, yeah. So for some people that makes sense so if um, um, I think again, the, question, products. the question that was asked to me was that somebody owns um, a house that's worth about seven hundred thousand, I think, and he want he asked the question that could I release some money to buy a buy to let property from from that? I mean, he doesn't have an income other than his pension, so that would be something he could do. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. In simplicity. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's not. It's not much. You you can't. You can't do. Yeah. It, it it's um any legal purpose. I think is the way. And you say it's over fifty five. Yeah. In general. Yeah. Mo- most of my clients tend to be in their sixties and seventies and eighties. Yeah. But yeah, over fifty five is where it starts. That's the start point. Go and have a chat with Dad after this, then. <laughs> <laughs> so, in terms of what you're up to now. Um, haven't you got some charity work that you're up to? Yeah. Did I see something to do with um, living on the streets? Yes. Right? So yeah. how does that work? What, what, what's that all about? So uh, next week, mm-hmm. I am sleeping rough on the streets of London. Right. With uh, quite a few of my work colleagues at Night Frank. God, it's a bit um, far to go, isn't part it? Part of a... <laughs> Part of a uh, well, no, the the sleepouts all around the UK. Yeah, I think I saw um, a friend of mine did one in Salisbury one year. Yeah, they're so. all, all around the UK, and you can do it at home. Yeah, you can do it at home. Um, okay. But it, yeah, the, the idea is, I mean, it's run by a charity called Land Aid, who um, have now got their offices based at Knight Frank's head office in in Baker Street. Right. So they were um, their tenancy came to an end where they were before, and Knight Frank uh, graciously offers them some space. At their office in Baker Street, so they sit very close uh, to where I am. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they, they're organised to sleep out. Um, I don't know the the numbers, but there's quite a few people. Okay, um, that so will where be you'll be out. sleeping on the street? Yes, for uh, a day, a night, a night, one night. Okay. Yeah. So uh, we all meet. Uh, I think between seven and eight p.m. Mm-hmm. on Thursday, the. Th- I want to say the third of March. It I should know this. Like that, wasn't it? We'll, we'll put something up there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, we're, we're we're sleeping out. Uh, there's only hot drinks, okay, uh, available. And uh, the event finishes at between five and seven the following morning. Okay. So uh, I don't think I'm going to get much sleep. No, I've been told not. to be 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 wary. Be on, yeah. <laughs> Lots of yeah. background noise, and I've got earplugs. I've got. Um, yeah, I've, yeah. I've, I've got an eye mask. I've got so a fantastic what's, sleeping bag. What's that raising? What charity is it raising money for? So it's for? Land Aid. Land Aid. So they are raising uh, money, awareness, um, really, and money for um, uh, people that, that sleep rough in the UK. Uh, there are countless numbers of youths um, that are displaced and live on the streets, and they've yeah. all got terrible stories. 
Um, well, good for you, mate. We'll make sure we put a, a link up to your... You've obviously got a, a link for yes. people to donate to. That's right. I think I've managed to donate. Yes. I figured it out. Yes, good. thank you. I really right. appreciate that. No worries, Any mate. support is just is wonderful. We'll put something up there for sure. And I've got a bad back, so, you know, crikey, I'm really well, putting myself out here. No, but on, on a serious note, it's a, it's a wonderful cause. Yeah. Um, and there's quite a few people taking part, so it, it is just about raising raising that awareness and, well, we see and just it raising even, funds. Even in this please. wonderful town of Bournemouth, the homeless situation here alone is... Um, yeah. seems to be on on the increase so yeah uh awareness and, and raising money for that's got to be a got to be a good thing um well we're coming close to the end we were going to say that we were going to talk about some news items but and i was going to bring the papers in but i could the shop i went into didn't have and oh, <laughs> arrived no. by the time i got it but all i would say well, you, got, I mean, you managed to find the croissants i found the croissants the shop didn't sell the papers but i think the croissants were probably going to be better than we the could papers. talk about those yeah we could. No. but all i was going to say is um Two things. Uh, still on a sombre note, today is the year, I think, anniversary. One year anniversary since the invasion of Russia Ukraine. invaded Ukraine. Mm. Um, I mean, obviously, that's also had. I mean, an effect on people's lives is the most important thing, but it's had an effect on for what we've been talking to today to some extent as well. Um, so, yeah, what do you make of that? And yeah, well, my my sentiment is 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 with the Ukrainians, the Ukrainian people. Um, some of my colleagues at Night Frank recently drove some supplies and vehicles down to the Ukraine. Yeah, um, handed them over. Uh, yeah, it's 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 a it's a terrible thing. Do you know what 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 really strikes a chord? I think with most people, and they showed these photos earlier on in the conflict. But now people are sharing their photos, their last photos before the invasion took place, mm. and it's just normal people yeah. living normal lives in their kitchens, you know, with their friends, football, five-a-side football teams. Um, predominantly most of those guys are probably fighting you know, uh, and it, if and, and hopefully surviving at that that's, but, that that's the thing that really makes you stop and think a year ago these people just like us yeah. living normal everyday lives there was know. that picture of Christmas in Kiev the, you know the centre this year mm. all black the year before with the wonderful trees that you see in London yeah. and Trafalgar Square yeah. and in, in city centres it's just it's unreal and I think it, it feels so close to home but, mm. um, and the other news is still somber, but bless his heart, John Motson. I know, I know, he's, I know. He's passed away. Yeah, the football commentator. His one of the lines I heard it on Wave One Hundred Five this morning was when Wimbledon were playing Liverpool. He said the crazy gang have beaten the culture club. Oh, he's. His voice to me will always be synonymous with with football. He said he was only seventy seven, and that's not really that old now, is it? To no. be honest, no. Um, but no. yeah, and there was that one time he was reporting with obviously his big coat on that he used to wear in the middle of a blizzard, and he yeah. just carried on talking. <laughs> yeah. uh, like, to me, it's like Murray Walker, yeah, with, with F one. Yeah. You know that those voices. You know, just become absolutely the you know, defining voice for yeah. that sport, and it yeah, it's, it's terribly sad. My it thoughts, is, uh, thoughts, and and good wishes to the, the family. Hundred percent. Matt had a question. Matt had a question. What was your question, I Matt? Have a question. I think, should I get closer? To yeah, the come closer to the microphone. We'll allow this. Yeah. What is that question? Brace yourself, Matt. No, I mean, bracing. No, I think it's quite. He a good he, he did ask the question. Uh, you realised before about what is pork? 
and where it's poured from. Right. It's not it's, I'm getting a bit yeah. concerned about yeah. this question. We worked out no, it was from a so, boat, didn't right. we? I'm, I'm going to pretend I can't hear. <laughs> I'm nearer the microphone now. Um, right, so you owned your business, Cherry. What made you feel like you wanted to sell that company and then move to Knight Frank? Or, I know it wasn't immediately after, but what made you want to go down that route instead? Yeah, um, that's a very good question. Good question, man. Very good question. Crikey, how long have I got to answer that? Mm. Um, long as you want. Yeah, so I, I, so Cherry was running for just about a decade. Mm. Um, I think for a lot of people, the pandemic made you press pause mm. yeah. and you know question what you do, yeah. what you, which direction you're going in, um, and look, running a small business is tough. Mm. You know, it takes up all of your time. Yeah. It can be emotionally draining. It can be really rewarding. Um, certainly seeing something grow uh, from nothing, you know, from working on a, a laptop yeah. in my kitchen to, to seeing a, a business that had staff and had a presence. Yeah. Um, it makes you feel good. But mm. equally, um, you know, you are, you know, the, the head of marketing, the head of compliance, yeah. the head of IT, you have to run your own accounts division, head of HR, head of sales. Um, it, it's it's everything. Yeah. Um, and I've been working. You can ask my wife and my, and my kids about this. You know that, that I work on holiday. Yeah. Um, so I would take my laptop with me. Um, I would work hours every single day on holiday. Um, and I just got to the point in that lockdown when we were all sort of forced to stop and take stock. Yeah. you know just to step back a bit mm. you start thinking about what's important mm. um i was fortunate then in who i spoke with um you know around the sort of sale of my business and you know we, we came to a decent uh, agreement um and you know beyond that i just felt that i wanted to be you know part of a, a bigger team mm. um and a, and a firm you know such as knight frank and knight frank finance have got a very very good um presence mm. in the market it's a good um, name yeah. very very, very true and i i can say hand on heart that everyone i've met there has been of a, a particular caliber mm. you know yeah. um so it was it, it's, it was a it was a good good decision yeah. sometimes you make these decisions yeah, and sure. after i think crikey what have i done mm. but i'm i'm very pleased with um my decision at that and like i said my motivation really came after the pandemic yeah. and where i've ended up um, yeah, I'm, I'm very happy. I think we've all reevaluated yeah, what's so, important, haven't we? And so work-life balance. Good question, Matt. Thanks, I'm, yeah. I'm glad I didn't write that one down. I, know, I feel bad have, about not writing that one down myself. It's rather disrespectful to me. I don't blame you for having reservations. Could it, could it, it could have gone either way. It could have gone, a question from I you could have, could have gone either way, mate. Socks, you yeah. Know, that's what I think you were worried about. Yeah, what are they? Oh my goodness. I, I knew you'd have. There you go. For anybody that's listening, they are Matthew Fleming Duffy's got Orange, blue, and red check socks. Yellow. Is that? Oh, and, and yellow, yellow, yellow dots. And, and three three types of blue. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> happy socks. Happy yeah. socks. There's Bef- a plug. Before yeah. we finish. Before we. Oh, is that where they're from? They're, yeah. Oh, excellent. I thoroughly recommend happy socks. Before we finish, um, if so, I will put something at the end of this and in our description about how to get hold of you to discuss. Yeah. Property finance, later life lending, green mortgages, all of that sort of stuff. Is yeah. that the easiest thing to do? Yeah, I mean, for sure. Um, you know, an email address, perhaps, um, 
phone number, that kind of thing. And we'll put a link up tonight, Frank, as well. Um, and uh, you've got, I think you said on your website earlier on, there's news articles, sections that can people can keep up to date with what's going on in the world of That's property right. and yeah. finance. Nightfrankfinance.co.uk, I think it's forward slash news. Forward slash um, news. Yeah, if you want to really get some up-to-date and current yeah. and practical advice on what the mortgage market is doing that's not geared so much at producing headlines yeah yeah it, it's it's a, it's a good way to yeah. really keep up to date yeah. genuinely That's without right. being manipulated by the mainstream media <laughs> you got it <laughs> <laughs> matt it's been an absolute pleasure, pleasure. Thank, thank you for coming in. on thank you for coming on and uh no worries thanks again mate